This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So just as a refresher, the title of my portion is Unlocking Authority Through Obedience. So how do we realize the benefits of authority and the way that we do that is through our obedience. And we said before that, that submission is built into obedience. Because obedience without submission, that's, that's slavery. Right? But when you're, when you're submitted, that means that your heart has been committed. That's, that means that you've placed yourself in a position to be of service. And your natural response to being in that position is that you apply diligence, that you apply diligence in accomplishing the will of God. And so let's go to our foundational scriptures found in Psalm 62. And starting at verse 11, it says, God have spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. We said that when we think about authority, we think about exousia, we think about dunamis, we think about the, the right to rule, we think about the might or ability to rule. When I, when I think about dunamis, I think about a dynamo, about power, about just, just unstoppable power, something that's able to, to cause a change in the current situation. Something that's able to, to move something from where it is to where it needs to be. And so we thank God that, that he has all authority. That he has the dunamis. And that he also has, has the right. He created us in his image. And after his likeness, he created us unto good works. And so he knows how we're supposed to function. He knows how we're supposed to fit into the puzzle of his creation. And he has the right, he has the right to exert his power. All authority is in God. We said that God, that, that, that he has all power, and I said that even, you know, when you think about it, say God is power. That there is no definition of power without God. And when we see power and God is not there, just know that that is not power. When you see authority and righteousness not, is not there, just know that that is not authority. Authority is founded in righteousness. And so earlier, you know, as, as a quick recap, we talked about an introduction to the house of God and an introduction to authority. And at God's house, that it is established on his authority. We said that, that when you are under authority, that power is on your side. And real quickly, go to Hebrews chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first uh, couple of passages. And it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. And so we said that Jesus Christ is the last word. Jesus has the last word. So said that authority gets the final say. Authority gets the final say. So God, in prior times, he spoke in divers manners and to the prophets. But he's spoken in these last days through his son. And the son has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has delegated authority in the local church through the pastors and teachers. And so we see that, that all authority has been given unto Jesus Christ, that he has the last word in authority. We said that some of the things that, that we find about authority in God's house is that authority sets the boundaries. That authority establishes order. That where there is no order, there is no authority. And where there is order, 
you'll see that the authority has been established. We say that man's role is to submit. And his submission is not blind submission, but it's submission to God's design and delegated authority. So your role is submission. And what does that mean? Submission means to place under, to make yourself lower, to consider and esteem the other greater than. You know, we talked about in worship that worship means is that you say that the, the greater is more deserving than the lesser. That you recognize the, God's position and his awesomeness. And you also recognize who you are. And you say, Lord, I acknowledge that you are the Lord Most High. That you are the everlasting God. And we spent a lot of time talking about who God is. Who he is in creation. Who he is in all of our generations. His faithfulness. And his power. We said that when, when we say that God has spoken once and twice, have I heard him that God said, let there be. And immediately there was. That God spoke into creation. And, and after that, all of creation ordered themselves after what God said. And creation still orders itself after the word that God spoke once. Sometimes we have to remind our children over and over again about simple things. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves over and over about simple things. But God spoke once. And all of creation continues to order itself into this very day. And so the wonder is, how is it that we as God's creation cannot order ourselves under his will and under his authority? We have to remember that God is the authority. That he, is the, that he sets the boundaries. And these are the benefits when, when, we're, when we're under authority that, that our needs are met. When we're under authority, that provision is made. We said that when we are under authority, not only do we abound, but we superabound. Why is that? Because when we are under authority, we need to have more than enough in order to care for those they cannot care for themselves. So when you're under authority, not only is the minimum met, but you, you super abound. We said that when, it, when, when you're under authority, that wisdom is given. So that you know when to extend your hand and when to hold it back. So that you know when to speak and when to be silent. When you're under authority, that, that protection is given. That means that you don't have to try to cover yourself, that you don't have to try to look out for yourself. All you need to do is to be focused on the will of God that's in front of you. You don't have to watch your back. You don't have to watch your back. God, God, God has you in his protection. That, that when you are under authority, that peace is extended. The scripture talks about peace that passes all understanding. That even when I consider the present situation and when I consider my present strength and when I consider what, what I expect to be the likely outcomes and in the, in the, in the likely near-term possibilities, that I still have peace because I know what the ultimate decision will be. I know that ultimately that victory belongs to Jesus. The ultimate victory belongs to God. And so it doesn't even matter what it looks like in the present. It doesn't even matter what, what I think it's going to be like five years from now, because the ultimate victory, it belongs to Jesus. And you know what? No matter what I think, I don't know the future. I, I, I am not the author of my times. I'm not the author of my seasons. And so in my mind, in my intellect, I may have reasoned a thing. And I may have thought that a thing was going to be and that it was impossible for it to change. But don't you know that God is the God of the living? He is not the God of the dead. 
What does that mean? That God is not the God of dead situations. But He is the God of the living. He is the God that gives life. So what you thought was already past, what you thought could never be repaired, that there was no coming back from that. That the, that the, that the story had already been written and your name was just a footnote. That God is the God of the living. He is the one that gives life. He is the author of life. Those things that you thought were dead, God can say, Lazarus, come forth. Now I love that he spoke Lazarus. He called him by name because the whole graveyard would have got up. That he can speak and those things that were dead are alive again. He is power. And so how do we unlock these benefits? You know, too often we, we, we come and, and we know that God is a good God. We know that God is a great God. We know that God is a powerful God. But we live such small lives. We live such constrained lives. And it's not because we don't have ambition. It's not because we don't have desire. So we're saying, well, I'm trying to figure out how do I get in line so that the power of God is effective in my life. And the way that we do that is we unlock authority through obedience. Listen, your obedience, it, it doesn't change the power of God. God is not more powerful or less powerful because of your obedience. It doesn't change the finished work of Jesus Christ. What he's done to redeem mankind, it's been done and it has been finished. And it cannot be undone. It doesn't change the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus said that a comforter would come. And the Holy Spirit is in the earth and it dwells among us. It doesn't change the work of the Holy Spirit, but what it, what it does do is it allows that power to become active in your life. There, 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 there's nothing like seeing everyone else getting blessed. It seems like everyone else knows where they're going. It seems like everyone else has direction and you've been tossed to and fro. You've been thrown back and forth. And it's not, again, it's not because of your intellect. It's not because of your efforts. It's not because of your desire or your passion. Listen, if you want to unlock authority in your life, you're going to need to do it through submission. We said that authority is delegated for purpose. And purpose, what that is, it's positioning for a desired result. We said that purpose is command plus responsibility. That God, he delegates authority for the purpose of leading men to the knowledge of redemption. God delegates authority for the purpose of leading men to salvation knowledge. We said that delegation, that the delegation is according to the will of God. Plain and simple, the delegation is according to the will of God. In our, in our men's fellowship, we, were, we just briefly visited on, you know, the, the, the people that God had called and what others may have considered to be their qualifications. And I, and I, just, I just love that discussion because... It, it, it resonated so much. When, when you think about any, anyone in Scripture, I'm sure if you examine long enough, we know what David's flaws were. We know what Moses' flaws were. We know what Paul's flaws were. But God, he delegates authority according to his will. You know, if you think long enough, you know what your flaws are. You know what your shortcomings are. You know, if you want to understand every single one of our resumes as believers, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. 
If you want to know what our qualifications are, what our, what our merits are. In Ephesians 2 and verse 1 it says, In you, that means every one of you, hath he quickened. That means that he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's, that's your resume. Those are your qualifications. You were dead in trespasses and sins. It says, even in times past, when you walked according to the course of this world and were as the children of disobedience. And he goes on and talks about even your conversation. In your, in your manner of speaking. But I love in verse 4 it says, but God. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. For by grace, it says, by grace are ye saved. And that's what I love. When you look at any, any, any Christian's resume, anytime, anytime you become uncertain about yourself, anytime you, be, you find yourself becoming envious of another believer, any time that you, you, you feel like you might have uh, gotten a taste, whether say uh, uh, you wanted to, to, to eat pastor, just remember that, that, that we were all, we were all under sentence of death. There, there was none of us that were righteous, no, not one. All of us were lacking in God's eyes. But it is his great love, it is his great love, that even though he knew what you were thinking, even though he knew your conversation, even though he knew that for 21 years, for 25 years, for 30 years, that you would not listen to his words and his instructions, even though he knew that you would hear and hear and hear and fail to commit yourself, that God, his great love, listen, he has all the power. His, his, his love, his love was greater than your negligence. His love was greater than your obstinance. His love was greater than your arguments. Listen, his, his, his love was greater than what other people said about you. His love is, is, is greater than their assessments and their judgments about your potential and about your position and about your, and about your place. His, his, his great love. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, that when we were dead in sins, he has made us alive. He has quickened us together with Christ. And I emphasize that because when we talk about our position in terms of submission, we have to understand that, that, that we need to be found in Christ. That we need to find ourselves in Christ. Just real quickly, we said that, that submission is a requirement for obedience. That, that you can't be delegated authority unless you're under delegated authority. Listen, how can God put his hands on you if you haven't put yourself under his hands? Too many people, too many people try to mock God and say that his blessings are on them, that his direction is on their business ventures, that his will is with their adventures and their decisions, and they are far from God. Just know, if you're not under delegated authority, God is not leading you in your business venture. If you're not under delegated authority, God, God is not directing you. How can he? How, how can God violate his own word? If he said that he was going to give you pastors and teachers 
to perfect you, to help you to become mature, to help you to become complete, to function in the body of Christ. How is God going to go against his own word? We said that it, submission is when you rank, you rank your agenda under God's agenda. When you rank your desires, the things that, 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 that you think that you might want, you say, you know what? God, you're first. God, you're first. Just, I, I, I remember thinking about this and I was saying, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about the houses that Jesus built. It doesn't talk about the, the it doesn't talk about his construction projects. You know, it does it does say that, that that as wisdom he created all things, but you know Jesus his father, his 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 guardian in the natural, Joseph was a carpenter. And and I'm sure that Jesus understood all about what Joseph was doing. Who better to apprentice under you than the creator of all the worlds? Can you imagine the kind of house that Jesus could build? I'm talking about in the natural. I'm sure that, that, that everyone all around would, would be amazed. They'd say, oh, this is so functional. It, it, it moves. So, it, it, it's so easy to clean. It's, it's, it's so well organized. And, and, and all around the world, even to this very day, people would still marvel at the houses that Jesus built. But no one talks about the houses that Jesus built. They don't talk about anything that he did in the material. They only talk about his submission to the will of the Father. You know, many of us, we have, we have you know, skills, talents, knacks, things that, you know, sometimes we kind of enjoy doing. But you have to consider, is, is that thing greater than my submission to the will of the Father? Minister Hill talked about his, uh, his love for music and writing songs. And he had to, he had to say, well, is it more important for me to, 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 to drop a beat, to get, to get paid for, 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 for making these, these tracks than it is to do the will of God? Many of you consider yourselves to be pretty good at, at, in, in the kitchen. Some of you think that you're pretty good with, with crafts. And, and you say, well, is, is it more important for me to be known for that than to be known as someone who showed forth the glory of God, who showed the love of God in all that I did? You know, I, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, people that were successful and very focused in what they do. And you even see, you know, chefs that, that their food is good, but their attitude their language. You see a lot of people in the, uh, in the music industry and we always hear their reports and unfortunately we'll hear more and more reports of, of singers that were considered to be great and legends and Hall of Fame honorees that take their own lives because for all that they accomplished and for all that they did, their lives inside were empty. That, that they were empty. We find great, great entertainers that make people laugh and that, and that cause others to smile. But inside, they themselves are crying out because there's an emptiness in there. Because what, what they, they, they have no, they have no, none of the, the benefits. The, the thing that they're looking for they could not find in the natural. We said that, that the, the connection between submission and obedience is that obedience is your diligence to walk in the grace that God has given to carry out his will. So submission is all about your positioning. It's all about your conscious placing. But your obedience, what that is, is that is your, your diligence. That as, as, as God has commanded that you are very careful each day with each decision, questioning your motives, questioning your actions.
so that you can be diligent to walk in the grace that God has given to carry out his will. Let me just decouple that because I know it's a lot in there. When I say to walk in the grace that God has given, it means to walk in the power that God has given. That you're not trying to, 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 uh, to use your own influences. That you're not trying to, to, to manipulate and to coerce. That you're not trying to use your own connections to accomplish the will of God. I often have to remind myself that that, that which is godly cannot be accomplished through ungodly means. That which is godly cannot be accomplished through ungodly means. The, the ministers used to always talk about, you know, that we don't want your lottery winnings. Right? We don't, we don't, we don't want your, your, your ill-gotten gains. Because that which is godly cannot be accomplished through ungodly means. Now, we're not, not going to promote your iniquity because of the numbers on your offering envelope. And we talked last time about your offerings, that you raise your envelopes, but your envelopes are empty. That you raise your envelopes and you say the confession, but your envelopes are empty. And it's not that there's no money in there, it's that there's no submission. That there is no submission. That you, you do the thing and you perform the act, but your heart is far, far away. That there, there is no submission. And what, what, what it's waiting for, it's just waiting for the opportunity when something else can distract. When something else can take that place and you can occupy yourself. All you need is a really good excuse that you can give yourself. And you can tell yourself the best excuses. You can tell yourself the best excuses. You know this every, every morning, as soon as that alarm clock goes off, you're telling yourself the best excuses. You're, you're made, you're, you become, you are most creative when the alarm clock goes off. That is when you're at your creative best. Because you are telling yourself all the reasons why. why when the meeting really is, what the traffic is really like, where, where, where you know that those clothes are, and it's not, it's not, you don't even have to worry about that. You can tell yourself all the excuses. But be, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow is what you're going to reap. And so your position as a believer is to be found in Christ. Just stay, stay over here in these letters. Go over to, to uh, Philippians chapter 3. What I love this in, in Philippians is, is that Paul is, is um, he's addressing the church and, he, and he's trying to, to get this church in, in order. And, and what, he's, what he's trying to do is he's saying that, listen, I, I know that you've had a lot of people that have, that have said a lot of things. And they've made claims and, and they have a claim in your minds. In your minds. That you, you've placed these people on, on pedestals. And so he goes on and says that, you know, I, I want you to know that, that um, you know, I, I have my own credentials. I have my, I have my own cred. I have my own brag sheet. But he says that, that in verse 8, I count all these things as, as, as nothing but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dung, that I may win Christ. He says, I'm not competing against any man. I'm not competing against any other city or any other ministry. I count it all as lost. I'm not looking for your favors or, your, or for your applause. My goal is to win Christ. And he said, he goes on to explain, what does that mean to win Christ? In verse 9 it says, and be found in him. That when you look for me, and when you look for my story, and when you try to track who I was and what I did, that all the clues and all the trails just lead you back to Christ. They don't lead you to some 
broken down structures. They don't lead you to artifacts that have been covered in sand. They lead you back to Christ. He says, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And and to be found in him, that means that that I'm completely buried in him, that my, my agenda, that my will is in him. What I love about, um, and I'm sorry, just just a quick sidebar. What I, what I love about um, Grandma Jessie, who was my wife's grandmother, is that when when she when she transitioned, what they said about her, and I'm sure I'll get it not correct, but I, I hope to get, to get the flavor of it, is that is that her saying was that I love you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. That, that her life and her legacy, it was not about anything else than the love that she showed to others. That, you know, and I, I like that last part, and there's nothing you can do about it. It seems to imply that some people tried to do something. <laughs> and I'm sure you all, you all know what that's like. For, for a woman that was born in the state of Texas, in a very small town, that was well into her 80s, and to have experienced the things that she had to experience, to have to go through the things that she had to go through. You know, we, we walk around and we, 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 we march and we, we have our signs out, but, you know, she had to live it. She had to live it. And for her to say that, that I love you and there's, there's nothing that you can do about it, that's, that's a testimony to the power of God at work in her life. That's a testimony to the power of God at work in her life. Listen, your walk is the proof that you have received Christ. When people talk about the evidence, when people talk about the fruit, you know, some people want to look at degrees and they want to look at papers and they want to look at recommendations and endorsements and who you run with and who you sit with and who says your name and who you invite to come into your church or who you invite to come into your home. But your, your, your walk is the proof that you have received Christ. Stay in the letters. Go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Paul says in in chapter 2, verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order. He says, I'm enjoying, and, and, and it's quite evident how you submit to authority, the order that you have, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Did you not, did you not remember what I said about your resume? What I said about your qualifications? As you have received Christ Jesus, as someone that didn't deserve, but great love was extended towards you, that's how you need to walk. Not, not thinking that you're better than anyone. Not being shocked or appalled or even disgusted by anything, but temperate in all things. Not being amazed or, or awestruck 
or starstruck or idolizing anybody, but temperate in all things. As ye have received Christ, so walk ye in him. And this is how you are rooted and you're built up in him and how you are established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. So your, your walk, it's the proof. Your walk is the proof that you have received Jesus Christ. And listen, if you have allowed yourself to be submitted to Christ, to be found in Him, to place yourself under in Him, as you have demonstrated by your walk the proof of your salvation, then you, re- you get to receive the benefits. You get to receive the benefits. Listen, all those things are so that Christ is magnified and that men can draw near to God. We said that, that delegated authority is given so that the Holy Spirit can have a constant habitation among men and so that men can press into the presence of God so that they know what righteousness is, that they can be instructed and completed in righteousness. So all all of that is is, is so that that Christ can be glorified, so that he can be magnified. But if you look in the letters back in Ephesians chapter 2, we know that that if if we've been hid in Christ, that if we have died with Christ, even more so, we shall be raised. We shall be raised with him. If we have died in Christ, we shall be raised with him. Where we left off in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. You know, too often we, we, we forget that we were dead and that we have been made alive. We forget that we were dead and that we have been made alive. Listen, not not of our own merits, but by grace have we been saved. Last time I talked about our our submission to authority and, and, and how we position ourselves and how we order ourselves and how we structure our lives and even even the lives of our children. And one of the things is that, you know, as a, as a people, we, we, t- we sometimes believe that, you know, because I had to come out of a place and because I had to find a place that that, that now every generation is going to have to do the same thing. Listen, once once you found the place, now it's time to dwell God called Abraham to leave his home and to go to a place that he would show him. Right. So, so Abraham moved from one place to, a, to, to another. And, and too often we, we take that pattern and say, well, if we move from one place to another, our situations will get better. But, but that was the word for Abraham. The word for his grandson... The word for Jacob. Jacob was called to come back. To come back to where he could hear the voice of God. And the instruction for Jacob was to dwell. The instruction for Jacob was to dwell. And so listen, this is for, this is for you, you young people. This is for, for you all that are, that are just getting started. You know, I, some some of y'all, you know, y'all y'all y'all, y'all old, old heads, y'all been around a while. But some 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 of these young people are saying, well, you know, I, I see how my parents did it, and I see what they went through, 
And I, and I see how the ministry started going from house to house and making great, great sacrifices. And so maybe we need to go back to that pattern. And I want you to know that, that that's not what God is saying. Listen, God, God has spoken once and twice have I heard him. That, that means that when God has spoken, that from there on, all of creation began to move forward. Creation didn't go in circles and in cycles. And God had to bring forth light every seven days. When God spoke, all of creation went forward. And so where we are in this ministry, we, we, we are a ministry where we're bringing up people that know how to dwell. We're bringing up people that know how to dwell. We come from people that knew how to sacrifice. We come from people that knew how to forsake. And now we have a people that we're bringing up that are learning how to dwell. That are learning how to dwell. What does that mean? See, when you're, when you're, when you're intent, you do things just temporarily. You, you have placeholders in, in, in position. You have things that are portable and movable. But once, once you get to the place where you dwell, then you began to dig foundations. Then you began to make ready for structures that will last for generations. Then you say, well, it's, it, it's not good enough to be, uh, that'll do, ministry. It's not good enough to have a placeholder. It's not good enough to have a temporary. No, we need, we need the thing that is permanent. We need the things that will, that will be hard to move. Listen, right, right now, we have, we have instruments that, that, that come and go. God is bringing us to a place where we'll have instruments that will always remain. That, that, that's that's going to be a sign for you. You know when it started? Look over here. When did that come? We have this, this, this piano right here. It's very, it's very difficult to move it. It doesn't just get pushed around. It's meant to stay there. And when it does get moved, it has to be retuned and adjusted. Is that right? M- moving it unsettles it. It causes damage. It, it, it has to be readjusted. So listen, that was a start. That was not an end. Listen, too often we, we, we say, oh, okay, I see that that's there. And we think that that was the end. Listen, no, that, that was the start. That was the sign so that you would know where we were headed. We are moving to a place where things will not be shifted around, where, where we will not empty out the sanctuary and put tables in here. We're moving to a place where we'll have the sanctuary and we'll have the fellowship hall. What's it going to take? Does that mean, listen, it's, it's, what's, what it's going to take is, is for a generation that's coming up that's going to dwell. That's going to dwell. That says, you know what, I could do anything. And I could do it anywhere. But this is where God is speaking. And this is worth my life. This is worth my life. Listen, your, your, your parents have made that decision. Look in their eyes. They've made that decision. They say, you know what? This is worth my life. Just like, just like I care about you, I care about this ministry. My children know that I love them, but I love God more. There, there, there is no way, there's, there's no way in authority where, where, where my child can, can decide to go to another church and I'll follow them. Listen, if I'm in the wheelchair, I know two or three brothers that will come and pick me up and rescue me from my son or daughter's home and bring me to where I can hear from God. Because I will not be out of position 
And, and what I'm trying to what I'm trying to teach them is that this is this is the place where God is speaking. This is the place where God is speaking. If God is speaking to you, then you need to listen to what God is saying. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not an arbitrary location. Authority is not an arbitrary concept. It's not an abstract. It's very concrete. God has established us here, in this place, at this time. All you have to do is look out your, your doors, out of your doors, in your homes where you live, and you see a world that is hurting. You see a community that needs a light. You see a community where marriages are struggling, where children are wandering, and they need a place. They need a place. So why, why, would, you, why would you withhold? Why would you withhold your love? Why would you withhold your hand? And not share with them what you what good thing you have. So when we talk about obedience, that this is the key to unlocking authority in your life. And listen, we're not I, I use these concrete examples because I want you to know that that you know too too often and for too long, people will say, Yes, 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 I agree, yes, yes, I understand. And they continue to do their own thing. And they continue to go their own way. When I first came to this ministry, the first thing, I, you know, I, I'd been in churches before. I'd been in word churches before. One first thing they said is that you need to go through the uh, new members perfecting class. And I took a look at the syllabus. I said, oh, I already understand all those concepts. Can I just test out? Can I, can I skip the class? What I didn't understand is, is the thinking that I had that I could skip the class is what I needed to go through the class. The thinking that I had that I could skip the class, and, and to be honest with you, these last two years, I have missed the class. And so I love it when we go back through these elementary and these, these, these rudimentary teachings. And, and this, is, this is my portion of the teaching, but, but I want you to, to, to not leave without the understanding that this is not abstract. This is not intangible. But this is something that needs to be real in your life. There, there is wisdom that you need. There is provision that you need. You know, some of you need to just take a look and say, why am I always broke? Why am I always broke? It could be that there's an area of submission that's missing in your life. Because when you are submitted and obedient, you don't just abound, you superabound. You superabound. Some of you need to say, well, why, why do I always feel like, you know, I'm afraid and that, I, that, I, that I'm, I'm on the outside looking in? Ask yourself, well, have, have, I, have I applied obedience? Have I unlocked the benefits of authority through my obedience? Because when you are under, how can you be alone? If you're under, how can you be by yourself and isolated? If you're under. How can you be an outlier if you're under? No, you're under. That means that you are a part of what God is doing. And he is using you to get his will accomplished. Now, what you may be thinking is that, you know, I don't feel like I am being personally stroked. And guess what? That's not what authority is for. Authority is not for your benefit. It's not to make you feel a certain way. Authority is to accomplish the will of God. And that will be beneficial to you. Authority is to accomplish the will of God. 
Listen, Jesus, he died on the cross. People said all kinds of things about him. But God raised him from the dead. Something that we had to teach the children because a lot of them get, they get it backwards. They say that, that, that Jesus raised himself from the dead. And just know that that's not what Scripture says. God raised Jesus from the dead. God raised Jesus. God approved. God had to put his stamp of approval on Jesus' sacrifice. If Jesus could have got up when he wanted to, why did he even die? But he had to put himself all the way out there. And we try to hold back and have a reserve and have a backup plan. When Jesus had to put himself all the way out there, he put everything, everything, not for his glory, not for, not for his glory, but for your redemption. For your redemption. He put everything out there for your redemption. And now God has given him a name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We said in closing that the will of God that it has to rank foremost for you. The will of God has to be number one. That God, what you want to do, I want that more than that career. I want that more than that man. I want that more than that woman. I want that more than the praises and the likes and the hearts and the smiley faces and the stickers, and whatever else mankind can imagine to entice you. That what you want is foremost for me. And when that's the case, then the grace of God can work through you to accomplish His will. Listen, there's, there's more in this teaching. This is just my, my part of it. What I, what, I, what I try to address is why it is important to be under authority and what does it have to do with your walk as a believer. So we talked about the importance of authority, what authority is. We talked about how it impacts you as a believer. There's going to be more teachings as we, as we progress along this particular topic. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.